You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Rise and shine. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins. Let's get straight into it. Kelly Donig is back in the studio. She's our interior design expert. And today we are talking about, as promised, staging your home. Now, I've asked Kelly to make sure we've got a budget today. <laughs> we are getting it done for $5,000 or less. Now, we're not going to talk exactly about a price list today, but we're going to talk about some practical ideas that will help anyone stage their home for under $5,000. If it was me, I wouldn't want to spend more than $5,000. That's not to say I'm correct, but if it was personally me. So, I've said to Kelly today, Kelly, you have a rule. We have to have some ideas that are going to get it done for under 5000 So, Kelly, cheers for coming in again. Thank you for having me again. Let's talk staging and I think we always have to start with colour. Yes, definitely. Uh, flowing a consistent theme is one of the best elements you can have for your home, whether it's staging for sale or you know your own home in general. So I have uh, my fancy colour rule, which is well known to all the interior designers out there, but it is the element of having a 60-30-10 rule. What so, is that? So that is 60% of your prime colour, 30% of your next color and 10% of your accent colors and flowing that consistently throughout the home so that you create a, a, a nice feeling of flow and that when people come in, they get that first impression that the home has a, a nice feeling and you're creating warmth and you're creating a, a homely feeling that is unique. And I think that that definitely creates a really nice personality for the home too. Kelly, you're talking to a man whose creative expression comes from a different colored tie every day. <laughs> All right, I need you to wind it up a second. In, so, right, 60, 30, 10, give me an example of what is a good prime color, a good secondary color, and a good accent color. Because right now I'm thinking about black, gray, and red. And I think that's a bad idea. <laughs> uh, yes, bad idea. We're not having red cushions by any means. Okay. Uh, so I think stick to a neutral palette. I think when you're staging a home for sale, people want to come in and imagine that they can live in that space as well and have their own furnishings in there. So we don't want anything too polarizing. You know, let's move away from bright yellow bright red, um, but I think it's also important to research that demographic and have a think about the type of person that's going to be uh, buying your house in the area that you're in. So it's not just one color palette is going to suit everything. No, I don't think so. I think it's definitely about researching that market first too, but I always um, encourage a bit more of a neutral palette. So let's look at greys. The whites is also nice and bright. It creates a nice light and airy feel too, particularly for houses or apartments. It might be a little bit smaller and you want to create that really nice open feeling. You can use that cushions, uh, restyling with some throws. Definitely think about what's on your kitchen benches and what's on your coffee tables and in your bathrooms. But let's pair it back, but use a consistent color theme throughout so yep. that each space um, flows. So as an example of something that would have a prime color, would that be the color of the furniture? Yeah. And then the yep. secondary would be the color of maybe the 
other furniture or the throws and the accent is the cushion and yes. the vase. Is that You've what we got it? Oh, this is see, easy. I'm see? an interior designer. Yeah, myself. There yeah we go. exactly. <laughs> you can stage your house now. It's very simple. It's being consistent. So, yeah, you might have light colored oak furnishings throughout your house. So, you keep your furnishings consistent with that color tone. You might have, say, some soft blues or, you know, light blues, light grays. It can be there around that 30. And then the 10% might be just that little pop of black just to bring some some life to the space but not over the top depth can i say the word depth yeah depth depth is the right word all right i feel special yes so okay and look before you even start your work a lot of clients will say well trent we're building these uh these units or these homes what colors should they be and i always tell them tell me if i'm wrong and i hope i'm not wrong but i say (laughs) look wish you want to have the most blank canvas as possible so that you can stage it with those colors so i always say keep it white keep it whites and grays on your benches so, so then you can't really go wrong with that, right, as a primary. And then someone like you can come in and add the finishing touches. Yeah, definitely if it's, I think, for developments and things like that and spaces that are smaller, you want them to feel really nice and light and airy, like we were saying before. So a a very sort of light neutral palette is a lot easier to style with different furnishings and people's own products versus using darker interiors. But, you know, having said that, I think that some of the darker interiors are, are very much made making their way into everyday homes now and into more of the trends. But it's definitely going back to that researching that demographic in the start as well as who your potential buyer could be. You're running a fine line there with the darker side though, aren't you? Because yeah. if you don't have good lighting, doesn't the dark side, darkness, I'm not talking Star Wars here, but yeah. <laughs> doesn't the dark side make everything feel a bit closed in it or can, dusty? It can do, yeah, yeah. It depends. It depends on how you do it, how dark your walls are, if you're going for dark furnishings as well. How, what are your windows like? Are mm. you getting a lot of light? Uh, sometimes um, when you, you are looking at apartments and they may have, you know, big sliding doors and things like that, darker, say, paint and things like that can show up a lot more imperfections. So I I think that, you know, a lot of the developments in apartment living always move on to that lighter side. Just things are easier to maintain. Bigger margin for error, right? Yeah. Okay. Next, I think uh, this makes sense to me. I'd try and live this every day at my office desk or at work, but just decluttering. Declutter is our biggest stage two of any staging for sale the uh, potential buyer wants to be able to walk into your home or you know your apartment and picture themselves living in that space so if they can see all of your personal items in the shower on the bench top in the kitchen you've got your kids paintings on the fridge um, you've got Aunty Betty on the wall um, those types of things It, it doesn't really create an environment where they can feel comfortable or imagine their own space so that is also going to be the lasting impression that 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 potential buyer has from seeing your property. So I think it's really important that they look to declutter and that you remove all those personal items, bring it back to that color rule again. And you maybe you might want to introduce some new styling pieces, like we said with the cushions, maybe some new prints for the wall. Um, there's definitely some cheap alternatives to artworks and throws and those types. There's a lot to be said for some of those Kmart products. They can I've got be... so much home stuff in my house yeah. <laughs> these days. My fiance is addicted to Kmart. Yes. They've turned themselves around the last few people. years, haven't yeah. they? Yes, exactly. 
I think that they are very much looking at people who might be staging for sale and also the general homeowner that might want to change up their interiors a lot and restyle. I know we all get bored looking at the same vases and the same cushions. So why not uh, look at those types of ranges from Kmart and Target and Big W? Uh, there's, there's some quick, easy alternatives with even the inserts in some of those cushions that you can buy from, say, Ikea and you can have a nice feather filled insert that makes it look like a really nice plush cushion. Frames from Ikea that are quite cheap and you can change out prints inside those when you are staging for sale or yeah, whatever. Frames can be very expensive. So that's a really good idea, the frame Mm. side. I think I've framed three or four things in my life where they've cost $100 for the the painting or the piece of art and the frame is $500. And I'm sitting there going, how? Exactly. So you can ease it. Like even Spotlight has a great range. I often get those or Ikea. And a lot of them also have more of a Perspex frame on the front. So they're a bit lighter to hang versus a glass one, um, which is great when you're staging for sale too. All right. So we've spoken about a few accessories there, I think. That might have been a little bit of stage three. Are there any other stage threes that maybe um i think definitely the the artwork cushions uh, i think also dressing your beds appropriately too people want how do you to, dress a bed appropriately um a nice plush quilt so uh, once again you can get something that's nice and cheap from ikea or kmart or target and i always like to double up the inserts so you could get two inserts inside your quilt cover roll it over at the at the the top so you get that nice thick layer add in some cushions nice fresh sheets dressing your bed and making it look nice and cozy and comfortable is a really cheap way to creating a really nice aesthetic when someone walks into that room they're like wow you know this room looks so cozy i could imagine having our bed in here i always see those photos with the beds that have the the rug halfway down the back the the end of the bed is that still a thing yes definitely yeah i think if you've got timber floors or tiles I think having a rug on the floor and on the end of the bed is such a nice way to create some warmth and texture as well. So whether it's on the floor or you've got a nice throw rug on the end of the bed, yeah, warmth and texture is everything when it comes to a bedroom. Greenery though, we've spoken about all the... Yes, greenery uh, those, is yeah. a, definitely a must. That's probably one of my uh, top four tips. Where do you put it? Are we putting greenery next to the TV or... Yeah, I think you can have greenery wherever you want in the home. It's about creating interest in different areas and you can also use greenery to create height and interest at different levels. So a nice big plant in the lounge room or say the dining room greenery gain creates warmth and depth to a home as well you take you add greenery to a shelf take it away the look is completely different and it's a, such a cheap way and not everyone can afford um, florals every week especially when you're staging for sale and you might want to have a few bunches of flowers throughout the house they look beautiful but they can be costly so, they so die. <laughs> yes then they die really quick yeah. so I always recommend getting uh, green foliage leaves or even some green plants so can we get fake ones yeah, you can, but I think real ones for the for the cost of real green leaves, it's really quite cheap and they will last a couple of months. Lots of local suppliers in Perth where you can grab those and make up your own foliage. There's probably 101 DIY YouTube <laughs> uh, videos that you can watch on how to make a, a bunch of green leaves, but they can be beautiful in the bathrooms, the kitchen, even your bedside table. They'll last for months and might get you through your whole staging. Okay, um, that's you just put a really good point on the table because then it was 
YouTube videos. Surely yeah. we should be having a look at that. I mean, not all of that is gold, but yeah, just definitely. as little visual ideas to accompany this podcast, for example, yep. there has to be a few good YouTubers oh, and, out there. You know, even uh, Instagram mm. and Facebook, there's so many um, sources of inspiration out there, but it's bringing it back to that first one around your styling and your aesthetic and your demographic and your colour rule. Once you've got that plan in place, then you can move down to the decluttering, your greenery. Um, my last um, really important tip is around the smell of your home. So I think when you do declutter and you do start to bring in some greenery and those types of things, it definitely does create a different smell. But I also love the added touch of some really nice diffusers and candles especially if you've got lots of kids or you've got pets or you've got smokers in the house, those smells um, can often turn people off straight away. And you definitely don't want that to be the first impression when people open up your front door to say, a, you know, an off smelling house or, you know, it's a bit musty, open up the windows, open up the curtains, mm. let the air and light in and get some really nice soft smelling candles and diffusers that aren't too overpowering. We don't want to be smelling like crystal store at the markets though do we no no we don't want to be smelling like Incense a candle everywhere. shop yeah. or anything like that but i think it's a nice soft touch and sometimes you can actually buy the little diffusers that you can actually just plug into your powerpoint that can be hidden mm. and they just let off a little bit of a spray every now and then not not the cheap and nasty yeah, so ones that you get glenn from coles oh, not glenn 20 <laughs> but you know there's some other really nice ones that have some soft really beautiful smells and there's also some amazing local uh, companies in Perth that make beautiful homemade candles and diffusers that you can buy from local and support local at the same time. These have all been good tips, but I'm I'm a money guy. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. I want to know... Everyone with my, is when they're selling their e- home. Exactly. <laughs> I guess they are. I want to know where when I've got my five grand on the table, what are probably the biggest ticket items? I've I bought some cushions. I've got some greenery. I've got a couple of pieces of art. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not spending more than a couple of grand there in my thoughts. No, are there yep. any any couple of things where you go, geez, yeah, these gonna, these things you better budget for? Uh, I think in your living spaces, it could be investing in a nice new coffee table or a chair that suits the aesthetic to make the space more livable. So say you might be a family that just has the one couch, but people may want to come in and imagine how they can use that as a, uh, a setting where they might have more than just the family coming over. So it could be a really nice armchair that suits something that's fresh and light and, you know, really nice and comfortable. And, or it could be just refreshing, say, some dining chairs. You know, if your dining chairs are looking a little bit ratty over time, is it just getting some of those reupholstered? Or considering those items that might be coming with you to the new house and maybe you're giving them a little bit of a refresh. So upholstery is, is something that's definitely still done to this day and can be a great way to refresh an item of furniture that, you know, is still something that you um, want to keep for quite a while. All right. I think I get it now. We're getting somewhere. I've got a couple more questions. Firstly, there's been a big trend recently when I'm looking at properties that I want to purchase where I, if I look hard enough, I can tell the selling agents are hiring graphic designers to Mm. render in furniture, Yeah. right? And if it's done well, it looks pretty nice. Oh, it can look amazing from, yeah, that website <laughs> yeah as an, is it is it a do you think it's a valid alternative or is there some sort of issues with this in your opinion um i personally don't feel that it is a good idea because i think for 
a general buyer going to look at that property that they may be purchasing for themselves and their family, it gives a false impression. So they potentially turn up to that property thinking in their mind that it's going to look like the exact website and they turn up and it's an, it's an empty box. Because the, and the then, renders are lifelike. Yeah, you yeah, really they can be really, yeah, really realistic. Yeah, definitely the software out there today is amazing. But I think it gives a false impression. So people turn up to the house, they expect to see it's furnished exactly the same, but all of a sudden they're staring at blank windows, blank walls, and then people start to look a little bit closer. They might start to see a few more imperfections where if the property's a little bit older, they might start to see, you know, say cracks in the wall or the floors. So... I don't think it gives a very good first impression because then people walk away from that feeling let down and you do not want people walking away from that first home open with a bad view. They won't or, come back. No, I don't think they will. Okay, yeah. that makes sense. I've been on the fence with it for a while because I do see, I'm impressed by what they do, mm. but I do understand how it's all well and good to get people to your house. Yeah. You, then you have to get them to love it. And if you, they're let down the second they walk in because they, you know, quite understandably thought that that house was furnished and the way yeah, it looked, right? And, definitely. and it's not. Then I can understand how they go, oh, I'm out of here. This is not what I signed up, spent 20 minutes driving here for. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, if I've got five grand to spend on this, should I focus on the kitchen and the bathroom or the kitchen and the living room or should I make sure that even the second and third bedroom have a, a furnished to a point. I think definitely try and do the whole house as much as you can for your five grand. Uh, you know, when we're looking at just sort of restyling and, you know, flowing in a few more pieces to flow that aesthetic of that colour tone, I think you can definitely get that through the whole house. And, you know, I kind of feel like it would be a little bit unfinished if you didn't touch those, that third and fourth bedroom and they were you being used as, say, the, the storage box. It's decluttering all of your areas so that every space is functioning and usable for that potential buyer. Kelly, cheers for coming in again. Appreciate it. Uh, We'll have you in, I'm sure, for another really interesting topic. I'm learning. I'm excited. (laughs) Great. All right. Cheers, mate. Thank you for having me. Okay, suburb spotlight time now. We are talking Greenwood and our number one agent for Greenwood is Julie Vincent. Julie, thank you very much for coming in. Thank you, Trent, for inviting me. This suburb, I guess, is another cab off the rank in our northern suburbs. It's right smack bang in the middle of the city of Joondalup. We've spoken Dunkraig before. We've spoken about Warwick before, Craigie, Kingsley. But Greenwood, it's a special little one. It, it is in keeping with its name. Tell us about how green Greenwood is. Okay. Greenwood started off in the early 70s. And the planners were unique in the design. We have very few straight roads in the suburb. They're very winding and twining. And we're wrapped around parks and walkways of greenery, huge parklands through to small parks, playgrounds, playing fields, fantastic green canopy. It's a very comfortable suburb, relaxed suburb to live in, family orientated. Perth average to move house is typically seven to 10 years. Greenwood's average is 23 years. That's a lot of years. That says a lot. That's huge. We still have a lot of our original residents within the suburb. And in the last decade, Generation Wise discovered the suburb, loved the big blocks, the greenery, the relaxed feeling of the suburb, the good schools, the shops, all the amenities close by. 
When was Greenwood first annexed as a as a new land estate, an Alcamos, I guess? Was it back in the 80s it, or 70s? No, no, it actually was the early 70s. Yeah, wow. Some of my original residents that still reside there tell me of when they remember when cattle were still passing through parts of Greenwood, yeah. uh, kangaroos up and down the street, the odd emu. You hear some really lovely stories from the people remembering back in the cannot, early 70s. I cannot imagine emus and kangaroos <laughs> just mulling around Greenwood. I, I wish we still had that. It sounds fantastic. Like fantastic got, history. We've still got our beautiful big trees, big parklands. It's a very relaxed suburb. It's a very safe feeling suburb. If you go for a walk in the evenings, um, one of our big parks, Blackhall Park, there will be sometimes a few hundred residents walking their dogs and the kids playing there. It's a really good social feeling. So there's a real community feel. I guess uh, if people are living there on average 23 years, they know everyone in the street, don't they? It's absolutely. And a lot of my buyers are coming into the area. They used to live in the area as kids or they've got family, friends that are living there and they're coming back for that very comfortable family living. I guess this is a suburb that's now full of a lot of downsizers moving out of those big 700 square metre lots. Do they have many options? I guess we can talk subdivision later, but are they struggling for that downsizer option to stay in um, Greenwood right now? I definitely hear that all the time. My residents love the suburb, obviously, for them to have stayed there for so long. They've got their family and their friends in the network, and they would love to be able to downsize to something, still a little bit of space, enjoy the parklands, but a little bit easier for them to, to live for Manage. their yeah. Right, downsized living. Well, it sounds like a fantastic opportunity for, whilst there isn't a lot of data yet demonstrating it, for people to start thinking about providing those options. Absolutely. Uh, We've had very, very few developments happen in our rezoned areas, mm. and there's definitely a demand amongst my residents to stay within the area, come down to something smaller and nice and modern. So who is buying off you right now? What does that buyer look like? Is it a young family with a couple of young kids looking to set up for another 23 years? Look, generally speaking, it's a young couple that haven't yet started a family or have just in recent years got a few kids that are about to start school. The attraction is, is that our primary schools have got a good name for themselves. They're very, very well community supported. Um, we have a choice of two public primary schools as well as Catholic Lawaro Primary and a very, very good high school that's called Greenwood College that has a very good name for itself. So th those make sense. I guess there are a lot of people who have been brought up in the area. Absolutely. Coming uh, back. They're coming back or they remember auntie, uncle living in the area, going to visit them and they're finding that is the right spot to live. They're coming into our old homes, doing massive renovations or coming to one that's already been renovated and just move in and enjoy. Talking renovations, are these properties all, you know, they're all about 40 years old now. Do most of them need a reno? Have most of them received a reno? Or is it a good opportunity for a young couple with a bit of grit about them to come in, buy something that needs some love and upvalue that property? We've got the full range there. We've got the ones that are crying out for almost the bulldozer okay. through to the ones that have been well-loved and very 70s in their decor, ones that have been upgraded in their 80s or the 90s through to the ones that have been fully renovated in recent years. We've also had quite a few of our old tired homes being demolished and fantastic new homes being built, enjoying the big blocks and the, and the green 
background. Are most of these three by ones, four by ones, four by twos? We are predominantly um, pretty much split between three ones and four twos. There's very few three twos or four ones. So I would say it's a pretty evenly weighted between the three ones to the four two. Is that based on the estates that were released at the time and the vogue of the estates? I feel so. It was very much the original residents moving in were young families. I guess the three by ones were the ones where not yet a family, just the starting point through to the four by twos. And that was the standard back in the 70s, a three by one. That was normal. That was your four by two of the 70s. Look, I've got residents who brought up their three or four kids in their three by one home. Yeah. Very much so. And that 4 by 2 I guess, is just that next progression on the on the back end of Greenwood as it's been developed out. We do have early 70s 4 by 2 homes, which would have been um, quite, quite unique for, yeah. the, for the time. Through to, we've got a few little lots in the area that were developed in the 80s. Then there was a old primary school demolished back in the early 2000s, and there's a little estate there. Those blocks tend to be a bit smaller, sort of in the 480s to 550s. Then there was another little pocket that was developed also in the late 90s, but predominantly the the 70 character home. Yeah, I guess the interesting point here is Greenwood is a suburb that's filled out. There is no supply, the new land, there are no land estates coming through. The only new bits of supply are through subdivision. Again, we'll talk about that in a bit. Price points. How cheap can I buy a residence of any type in Greenwood. How cheap can it get right now? As long as you're prepared to roll up your sleeves oh, yeah. and, and put a bit of hard yakka in it, you can get into Greenwood in around the 400. There's the odd property that's under the 400, but predominantly the early 400s. And then if you want to walk into something where everything is done, you're looking high sixes and even touched into the sevens. Okay. Uh, what would be the average for a, a four by two? Is that that, that price? Um, the average 4 by 2 depending on the level of renovation and the floor plan, from the early 5s right up into the mid-6s. How expensive can it get? As I said, there's the one in the, in the recent years have gone into the low 7s. Yeah, okay. Well, look, that's still very affordable. I guess when you think about other suburbs uh, that have quite a variation of prices you know, up into the mills and whatnot, sometimes it can be a bit daunting and you wonder, well, am I in the right area? But it sounds like Greenwood really is quite homogenous in that most people have the same or similar demographic uh, and it just comes down to the quality of the build or the vintage of the renovation that is determining the price? Absolutely, as well as the location. What's the premium location in Greenwood? Generally speaking, I would say people have a preference for the western portion of Greenwood, west of Allenswood Road, but I'm seeing more and more people enjoy central Greenwood. Central Greenwood is bordered between Allenswood Road and Cockman Road, where it's a very, very quiet, peaceful pocket, still walking distance to our Greenwood Primary School. It's not so much the shopping, it's the location to the schools and to the train. Geez, that really is family focused, isn't it? Absolutely. All right, let's talk subdivision now. Greenwood's one of those uh, suburbs in the city of Joondalup that did receive uh, some rezoning, but very small targeted areas. It didn't receive the same volume, I guess, as your Warwick or even your Duncraig or your Pabri or Craigie. Similar to Kingsley, Greenwood has a very targeted specific area. Tell us where that is and what people might be able to do in that area. 
Yes, look, we've got two small pockets in the western part of Greenwood that have been rezoned. Predominantly R40, so the typical block is now a triplex potential, and a few R60s and a few blocks that are being marked for multi-use. Yeah. They're in the southwest and the northwest pockets of Greenwood, so you're very much close to the access to the Warwick train station in the southern portion and the Greenwood train station in the northern portion. And those um, areas still enjoy our big parks, a couple of shopping centres in that portion, and the West Greenwood Primary School, Luara Catholic Primary, and our Greenwood College. If I wanted to buy into one of these R40 sites, what would I be expecting to pay? What would you be trying to sell it to me for? It depends on the the aspect of the block. It's, it's slope, it's frontage, mm. it, it's shape. Of course. But you can be getting in around your 470s to 480s, up to the mid fives for an R40 block. Yeah, well, it's still affordable. It's something an option people can consider. Uh, at the same time, I'm assuming these are pretty tightly held, though. They absolutely are. Yes, they are. The residents that live there love Greenwood and they not tend to be in a hurry to sell. Yeah, they're not that bothered to cash out. In fact, a lot of my clients are either upsizing or downsizing and staying within the suburb. Yep, not even bothering with the zoning. Corner blocks, though. You've seen a few people knock down yes. old corner blocks. Yes, that has definitely been a lovely surprise for our market and definitely people are seizing upon when a corner block comes up. Once it's over your 700 square metres, it's, it, it's, 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 it's a wonderful opportunity for people to seize it at a good price. We've had one recently sell only at 412000 mm. and other ones are seeking the low fives. I guess it's a, a case of a path of least resistance, especially for new and novice developers to dip their toes in the water on something that's probably a little less risky than than most to be able to knock down an old house and build two street-facing lots? The street-facing lots are very much in demand. That is what I'm hearing all the time. Mm. And so to have that opportunity to to put two street fronts in that pocket of, of Greenwood, yes, absolutely. Just not a lot of data yet. Obviously, not many people have done it yet, so it's hard to demonstrate exactly what these things are coming out on the sale price. Do you have any idea what you think these things would be worth when starting to see a few 4x2s on 350 square metres hit the market? Okay, it depends, obviously, on on the layout and the size of that 4x2. But I would envisage buyers would be happy to spend mid fives to to the high fives for a decent four by two with a street frontage in in the right little zones pockets of greenwood well let's be real it's a brand new house which is very rare in greenwood and it ticks all those boxes for all those downsizes you were just referencing doesn't it it's lower maintenance it's probably a accessible area it stays within the suburb brand new facilities i don't see any reason why these downsizers wouldn't be jumping up and down going yes we have a perfect option here to stay in our suburb but move out of the massive house with the pool at the back and don't underestimate if you put a four by two that's two story to it still allow um, a decent bit of courtyard then something like that would fetch sort of into the 600s with uh, with our younger clientele that aren't bothered about the stairs yeah good idea very i like that all right let's uh talk about the median house price julie what is it for a three by one you're probably looking around your mid fours and for a four by two you're probably looking around your 550 to 580 mark okay you've split it up clearly there's a reason obviously there's two products here that we're talking about if you had five hundred thousand dollars in your pocket I'm going to make it a little bit harder for you. If you had 500 grand in your pocket, which is right in the middle of the two of them, what would you buy in Greenwood? What would you try and snag? 
I'd be very selective on the particular street orientation of the block and and I wouldn't care if that was a three by one that needed to work or if it was a four by two to, to move straight into. It would be the location that I'd be selecting and seeing a $500,000 investment in Greenwood to be a wise investment. Okay. Julie, it sounds like it's a feng shui answer for me as to uh, keeping uh, keeping everyone happy in this family suburb. Hey, thank you very much for coming in. It's been a really insightful chat. I think the themes coming out of today uh, very much that has been and will continue to be a family stronghold with that Australian dream continuing, which is very rare these days in Perth. Uh, and there are also some unique little development opportunities for an astute investor who knows the area. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!